What the law can do may surprise you. Here's Pastor Ed Ray to explain. The law made nothing perfect. Uh-oh. Nobody is perfect right before God can go to heaven based upon the law. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope, an expectation of coming good, through which we draw near to God. Because of what Jesus said, did, and has given us as a promise, we can now draw near to God. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. It's pretty much accepted universally. Everyone has some kind of moral standard. We all say, I should, or you should, or I ought, or you ought. Yet at the same time, we're often unable to do what we ought to do or should do. That's a problem. It's why there's also a universal recognition of the need for a priest, a mediator, someone to bridge the gap. Well, there is such a person available, and he's our focus today on Growing Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We learn about this one who can bridge the gap from Hebrews chapter 7. It's there we're taken back before the beginning of the Levitical priesthood to the time of Abraham. To tell us more from Hebrews 7 and verse 4, here's Pastor Ed. So, verse 5, and indeed those who are of the sons of Levi have received the priesthood. Now, the people that received this, they understood this completely. Most of us don't get this. Levi was the tribe, the family, the one of the 12 families of Israel of which God said that the priest would come from, the Kohen. Even though the first one in the Bible wasn't from this tribe, which is the whole argument here because Jesus isn't from that tribe either. Let me try and say that the same thing a different way. Those who have come from this tribe received a priesthood. They, they can be priests because they are from the tribe of Levi. And the commandment to receive gifts ties from people according to the law. That is from their own brothers and sisters because all of them came through Abraham from every tribe, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. Now, we understand in modern genetics that he's about ready to talk about the DNA, the human geome of Abraham, and that in fact, all of his offspring had probably upwards of 90% of the DNA strand of Abraham is in them. What? Well, just send your 300 bucks to Ancestries.com, and they will tell you that you're, you know, one quarter Argentinian and etc. Verse 6. But whose genealogy is not derived from them. He's not of the tribe of Levi, neither Melchizedek or Jesus, that's where this argument is going, from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Melchizedek blessed Abraham who had promises from God that his son and out of his loins would come the people that would bless the earth. Jesus came through him. Now, you have an opportunity to bless. We'll get to that in just a second. Verse 7. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser blessed by the better. 
So you, adults saved by God, have an opportunity to bless children. You just saw it happen. I was praying that God would bless this little boy, that God would make him a man of God, and that he would tell other people about God. I do that a lot around here, and I'm telling you about it, not to brag in any way, but to encourage you to do the same thing. I've been walking by some kids and put my hand, hand on their head and say, Lord, make this little girl a woman of God. Make her a world changer. I don't say it out loud. I don't use King James English. You know, oh, Lord. No. <laughs> you know, I have a friend that when I ask him to, to pray for the food, he stands up and he says, oh, God. <laughs> I don't ask him anymore. But you have an opportunity to bless kids. Younger people, even people who are adults that you're praying with, pray that God would give them grace. You can't think of anything else. Lord, may your grace fill this vessel to overflowing. So that's your opportunity to bless other people. That's what's going on here. Verse 8. Here, mortal men receive tithes. Melchizedek received a tithe. He must be a mortal man. Not an angel, not a theophany. All right? That's the argument receives tithes from them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives, that he lives is Jesus lives. So now we get, that should be a capital H, I believe. A lot of argument about that, but that's the way I read that. He lives now and forever, always will. Verse 9, even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak. Whew, this is a little hard to follow. But again, genetically, we know with modern genetics that Abraham's geome looks very much like Levi's geome. In fact, if you're a Jew, a Hebrew, and you have the last name Cohen, there's a genetic marker that all Jews have with the last name of Cohen. Excuse me, 92% of them have. Something in the high 80s or the strongest one was 92%. Cohen means priest from the same tribe, all right? If you didn't follow that, it won't be on the test, not to worry. Verse 9, Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. Levi wouldn't be born for a couple of hundred years, but he was through his great-great-great-great-grandfather paying tithes to Melchizedek. Verse 10, for he was still in the loins of his father, still the chromosome strand was there, when Melchizedek met him, met Abraham. So the argument is that the priests of Levi are actually part of this whole program of God's putting Melchizedek above everybody else in the tribe of Levi, verse 11. Therefore, if perfection, perfection before God, getting to heaven, were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it, the people received the law. It was during the time of the Levitical priesthood, the Old Testament law, 613 commandments from Moses at Mount Sinai. What further need was there that another priest should rise, according to the order of Melchizedek, the first priest who wasn't a Levi, and not be called according to the order of Aaron. Another translation, a little easier. And finally, if the priesthood of Levi could not have achieved God's purposes, weren't perfect. And it was that the priesthood on which the law was based set there because of the law. Why did God need to send a different priest from the line of Melchizedek instead of from the line of Levi or Aaron? Now, what's happened, and he's about ready to say it, is the changes in the law in the new covenant 
that you, saint, believer, don't let it go to your head. You're a sinner too, saved by grace, but that God has made you, get this, a priest. You see, there's really no clergy in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. We are all part of a royal priesthood, 1 Peter says. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What's the word priest mean? A bridge builder. You are a bridge builder between a person who doesn't know Jesus to Jesus and God himself. You have the great privilege of telling others about Jesus. You have an opportunity to give away eternal life. To participate in it, you don't own it, but God uses us to do that. Big stuff. Verse 12. For the priesthood being changed, now to this priesthood that you're part of, Jesus is the high priest, of necessity there must also be a change of the law. What he's saying is that the old covenant is gone. Now, I know people that struggle with this, but here's a whole chapter about it from here on. So, as the priesthood changed, the law governing the priesthood, the law of Moses, had to change too. Verse 13, for he, capital H, God, of whom these things are spoken, belongs to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. He, capital H, is Jesus. Jesus came from a different tribe than the tribe of Levi. He comes from a tribe of which David was part of, King David. So, verse 14 says, For it is evident that our Lord, Jesus, arose from Judah. He is the lion of Judah. He is David's son who would rule and reign forever, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing about concerning priesthood. There are no priests from the tribe of Judah, except Jesus wasn't actually from the tribe of Judah. Jesus has always lived and will live for eternity. He has no father in that sense. He has no birth, although Bethlehem was his birth as a human being. He's God, the son, and he has always existed. Pastor Ed Ray expounding on why Jesus is such a great high priest. We continue now in Hebrews chapter 7 with more on Jesus, our high priest, and our relationship with him. We'll start with verse 15. And is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there rises another priest. Different translation. The change in God's law is even more obvious, more evident, from the fact that a different priest, who was like Melchizedek, Jesus, has now come. A different kind of king, not based upon genetics, but based upon God's choice. Verse 16, who has come, not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless, everlasting life. Whew, this is a big statement. Jesus came not according to a fleshly, a physical commandment. The Ten Commandments are physical, but according to the power of eternal life. Jesus came and gave you the privilege, I just said, of telling other people about his gift of eternal life, and he lives forever, an endless life. Jesus wants you to spend eternity with him. Amazing. 
but it's not according to one of the Ten Commandments. Verse 17, for he, God, capital H, testifies, you are priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, this verse actually appears over and over again in the book of Hebrew and in the, the New Testament. It's from a psalm, put your thinking cap on again, that was written a thousand years after Melchizedek and Abraham met. King David is about 1,000 B.C. Abraham is about 2,000 B.C. So 1,000 years after Abraham met Melchizedek, David is sitting down, he's writing a psalm. The only other place in the Old Testament this guy's, his name appears. And he writes this. This is the psalm that talks about Jesus being God. My Lord said to the Lord, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, according to no one having a father or a mother or a birth or a death in the sense of eternity. Jesus, you always have been, you always will be. So, verse 18, almost there, two more verses. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandments. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the 613 commandments that Moses gave us. It's annulled. It's set aside. It's obsolete, he'll say in a few more verses. Of the former commandment, used to be a commandment, because of its weakness and unprofitableness. He's saying that the law is past. The law was given to the Jews temporarily. What? The old covenant was temporary and it was written to Jews. Jesus came, took the cup that night and says, this is my blood of a new covenant, which is the good news for you and I, because it's based on what he did on the cross, not based upon what we do. He said that the new covenant would be the, he said it in both Jeremiah and Ezekiel in advance of it happening. He says, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. You can't put the new covenant in the old covenant's 613 commandments. He said, this new covenant is what God has done. He said, I'll take out your heart of stone. I had a heart of stone. He said, I'll put in a heart of flesh. This one can feel. He said, I'll put my spirit within you, the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He said, I'll write my law of love on your heart. Nobody has to tell you what's right and wrong. You know it when you surrender your life to God. And then the best part, I will cause you to walk in my ways. God will change your want to. That's the best thing about this, is it's not New Year's resolution. I'm just going to try harder, Lord. I'm sorry. If I could just try a little bit more. No, no. God says, don't help, Ed. You're making a mess. <laughs> just tell me you surrender. I surrender, Lord. I give you my life. You arrange this thing. Make me look good. God says, I can do that. That's what he wants to do for you and I. That's the new covenant. Not the former commandment. It's annulled. It was weak and unprofitable. Nobody got into heaven by keeping the commandments. Whoa, what? No one is in heaven because they kept the commandments. Not 613, not 10. I just love it when people come up and say, well, I keep the 10 commandments. Don't say that to me. Because I will say, liar. <laughs> and then you'll be offended and go to another church. You see, nobody keeps the spirit of the law. If you've done these things in your heart, Jesus said, it's not our actions, it's what goes on up here and in here. 
But the good news is he overrides all that. All we do is confess our sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. The commandments don't get us in. You mean no one is in heaven because they kept the Ten Commandments? Exactly. Well, how did they get into heaven? Somebody asked me last night, right there. Well, then how did all the Old Testament people get into heaven? Same way you do. What? By faith. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Five times it says that in the New Testament, so we would get it. People in the Old Testament are in heaven the same way you get into heaven, the same way I get in heaven, by believing that Jesus died on the cross for me, for you. We trust him, not in what we can do, but in what he's already done. This is the good news. Galatians 3.24. So that the law has become a trainer to us until Christ, that we might be justified by faith, just as if we had never sinned by faith, by belief, by trust in him. Verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect. Uh-oh. Nobody is perfect right before God can go to heaven based upon the law. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope, an expectation of coming good through which we draw near to God. Because of what Jesus said, did, and has given us as a promise, we can now draw near to God. Someone has called this the summary of the book of Hebrews, drawing near to God. Here's what God is saying in Hebrews 4:16. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 7, 19, through which we draw near to God. I'll just read that. 7, 25, we just read, those who draw near to God. Hebrews 10, 1, made perfect through those who draw near. 10, 22, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, trusting in him. God wants us near to him. He's saying, come, all you who are heavy laden. I want you to draw near to me. That's what this book is talking about. Well, God's God. Why doesn't he just bring us near? No, no. He's not the problem. I'm the problem. <laughs> You're the problem. The problem is we don't think the way God thinks, and we do things completely different than God does. Here's the way he says it in Isaiah 55, verse 8. God speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. That's the understatement of the world. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. As the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Notice he says two completely separate things, thoughts and ways. We think differently than God. We have different priorities, different values, different bases for our decisions, different motives, different attitudes. God has a brain capacity that's beyond our wildest imagination. It's outside our brain capacity to think exactly like he does. We have a low IQ compared to God, all right? The difference, though, isn't cerebral, it's cardiac. Our heart has a different direction. Our thoughts need to be corrected by God. He's still working on mine. Secondly, we act differently than God does. We have completely different approaches to our problems that come up in life. We use a different method. <laughs> I was being kind. A different style, a different fashion, a different practice, a different motive for the 
things that we do, the actual way that we apply it in our lives. He's talking about ways. So God chooses different ways because he thinks differently than we do, and he wants to give us, get this, the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you. That was in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself and became a man. So he encourages us. Whatever things are good, whatever things are holy, whatever things are just, think on these things. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, yes, our minds. Lord, help me <laughs> fix this computer. The hard drive keeps going down. True story. Close with this old book I was reading. Charles Berry is a famous pastor in New York. 1888, he took the largest Plymouth Brethren Church in New York City. It became rather well-known, but he liked to tell the story on himself of how he pastored for several years in London before he was saved. <laughs> yeah. And we're suspicious about some of those guys on TV that this might be true still, so pray for him. He said early in his ministry, he preached a, quote, very thin gospel, really no gospel at all. He looked at Jesus as merely a good teacher and not as a divine redeemer. Late one night during his first pastorate, he sat in his cozy little British study, and there came a knock. He opened the door and found a young Lancashire girl with a shawl over her head and clogs on her feet. Are you the pastor, she asked. He said, yes. And she said, you must come with me quickly. I want you to get my mother in. Misunderstanding that it was a case of some drunken mother out in the streets, Barry said, no, no, you must go and get a policeman to help your mom. She said, no, 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 no. My mother is dying, and you must come and get her into heaven. <laughs> so Barry grabs his coat, follows her for a mile and a half through the wet, lonely streets of London in the night, and then he knelt by the woman's side, and he began to tell her, quote, about how good and kind Jesus was, and how he'd come to show us how to love one another. The desperate woman cut him off. She said, Mr., that's no help for the likes of me. I've been a bad sinner. I lived my life. Can't you tell me about someone who can have mercy on me and save my poor soul? <laughs> Here's what he wrote. I stood there in the presence of a dying woman, and I realized I had nothing I could tell her. In the midst of sin and death, I had no message. But suddenly, God spoke to me through something I remembered that I had learned at my mother's knee. I retold this dying lady the story of my own mother speaking to me about three crosses on a hill and a Messiah who was more than able to save a dying thief fastened to a cross. The tears began to come down the woman's face. She said quietly, now you've helped me. What I need is for Jesus to forgive me. He nodded his head, and he said, by God's grace, she prayed and got in that night. And blessed be God, I got in myself at the same time. The thief on the cross who believed in Jesus got in the way the dying woman got in, the pastor got in. How about you? Will you believe and get in too? We're going and growing through Hebrews right now on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. If you missed a portion of today's study, simply go online to thepackinghouse.org 
and you'll find our programs are archived there for you. We can also send you a CD copy if that's preferred. Here's where to reach us, 844-77-GRACE. Again, that's 844-77-GRACE. Our prayer is that you'll grow in grace through this study of Hebrews. And if a question comes to mind, or you're in need of prayer, or would just like to express something that's on your heart, please do email us at packinghouseradio at aol.com. Again, packinghouseradio at aol.com. Today, we'd like to offer you an inspirational book from Elizabeth Elliot called Through Gates of Splendor. This classic bestseller recalls the story of five missionaries who dared to share the good news with a Stone Age tribe deep in the jungles of Ecuador. And while they were martyred for their faith in Jesus, their story lives on, inspiring thousands to follow in their courageous footsteps. Through Gates of Splendor, our featured resource is available for a gift of any amount to grow in grace. You can give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And thank you for helping us get out the good news of Jesus to a world in need. This has been Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray, a daily presentation of the Packing House Christian Fellowship. Zion, now filled with hands And in this place gotta dwell with man Sick be healed and the crippled stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith